That is a good, good song. Amen. The person singing the song makes a difference as well. Uh, Brother Tony's got a great voice, but I tell you what, he's got an even greater heart. Uh, you can hear, listen to the greatest singer in all the world, and it can just be so empty and hollow. They can even be singing a gospel song, and it can come through hollow if their heart's not in it. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles tonight, Genesis chapter 3 and Galatians chapter 4. Genesis chapter 3 and Galatians chapter 4. I so enjoyed this study. I'm going to turn my phone down just in case uh, uh, Luke or Kyle text me during the service. I've got to make sure it's down so it doesn't bother everybody. It'd be, it'd be Kyle, yeah. Amen. Genesis chapter 3 and Galatians chapter 4. I... Uh, Amen. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, we'll begin right there. It says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon the belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. What's happening here? What, what is the context that, that we're seeing? God is literally laying out punishment for sin. I mean, this is like the Genesis. It's, it's the beginning. This is, this is, the, first, this is the, the fall of man. God here is speaking to Adam and Eve and the serpent, which we know is Satan. That's no secret. So God cursed the snake, and then he puts enmity between uh, his seed and her seed. And what does that even mean? Brother Zollers, would you open this message in a word of prayer, brother? course you can't just look at any dictionary it's got to be the oldest one that I have is Webster's 1828 the word enmity means the quality of being an enemy the opposition of friendship ill will hatred unfriendly disposition a state of opposition sin has never looked good on anybody and oftentimes we think well we look good in that sin oh boy that sin looks so good but really you know it's like like, like, like a little child that thinks something is so great or whatever fad they think they just have to have. An adult looks at that and sees the ridiculousness of it. Imagine that hundred times over, our Heavenly Father looking at us and as we desire whatever sin we desire, and the Lord just looking down and seeing the silliness of it. But that's the fall of man. That's, that's, that's the fall of man. We are born into sin. We are born with a sinful nature. We can blame Adam and Eve all we want, but Kyle, me and you would have done the same thing eventually. We would have ate of that tree. Maybe it was Eve first, but maybe, maybe just because she was the first one that got there, amen. I don't know. I'm sure glad it was Eve first. That gives us a one-up, amen. So, 
<laughs> uh, oh, no, I better move on. Okay, okay. <laughs> Amen. Uh, number one, point number one tonight is the curse. The curse. And that has not changed since the garden. This is really an epic thing. I mean, my favorite uh, problem, my, my favorite section of scripture is still probably the first 10 chapters of Genesis. I mean, you have like, it's like, a, it's like, what, what's that uh, uh, dishwasher or the, the washing machine detergent? They always advertise the concentrated version and it's, you can get it, 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 it takes less Tide Pods. It takes less pods than it does with something else, but you're paying half as much more. So you're not really saving any money. That's how they do but that's what the first 10 chapters of Genesis is in Scripture. It is a concentrate. There is so much theology and doctrine uh, that I can just swim in there all day long and get lost and enjoy myself in it. I love it. Um, but the magnitude of the sin, of the consequence of the sin, I don't think Adam and Eve could have fully understood it. I mean, I, certainly they understood it when they got kicked out of the garden. And all of a sudden, you know, they're sweating like crazy. And, and right, all these, like, you talk about some hardships. They had hardships like you wouldn't believe. Um, but still, there's no way, I, I don't, and I'm speculating a little bit, that they could have really understand the magnitude of how many billions of people they affected in, with, with that one sin, Right? To the same point, the exact same thing, we don't understand the magnitude of the consequences of our sins and how many people we affect. Right. Anytime we try to justify sin, we always justify it by saying, well, it won't bother me that much. I can listen to those cuss words because I can handle it. I'm mature enough. I can watch this because I'm mature enough to watch it. I can whatever. We literally only think about ourselves, how it affects us, and not everybody else. <clears throat> Miss Darla, I guess it's a Christmas theme, I guess. I didn't mean to do that, but it's a wonderful life. We're talking about that today. Really, that's kind of that principle. You know, our lives affect everybody else. Um. I feel shallow for bringing that illustration up, but it's true. <laughs> it's true, and uh, that, that's something that even uh, <clears throat> Ava and Wyatt don't realize that their actions affect uh, Roman and Adeline. They, they don't even see that. Even a child is known by his doings. We understand their doings, and their fellow children know them by their doings. Amen. Amen. But we see this word enmity and we understand it because we live it. <clears throat> we're all born into sin. Uh, we're all sinners by birth and by nature. James 4, 4, you don't have to turn there. It says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It's still the curse. Number one, the curse. Number two, and this is way better than point number one, is the cure. Amen. <clears throat> uh, go back to your text, Genesis three fifteen. 15. This verse is... This is really a special verse in Scripture. <clears throat> it, it, not, it not only directly shows us the curse of sin, but it also gives us 
the cure in the same verse. If you were to look at verse 14, you would see that God is directly speaking to Satan. Verse 14 ends with a colon. What does that mean? That it's continued. It's a continued thought. Which means what? That, that <clears throat> as in God is still speaking to Satan in verse 15. That's really important to know when you're reading verse 15. And he said, that now, so that means that is God speaking to Satan. He says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. God has just told Satan that the seed of the woman would be enmity with him. The seed of the woman would be enmity with Satan. That's important to understand that. That defines some, some major theology that people will disagree on. But if we understand the context, God is talking to Satan, talking about uh, the seed of the woman will be enmity with Satan. That's important to know. Keep your place. Well, we mean, I'm, yeah, keep your place in Genesis and jump to Galatians chapter 4. This is something pretty exciting. I got really encouraged reading this that did you know that this is the first prophecy of the coming Messiah Christ in all of Scripture? It is. Let's look, look at a few scriptures and we'll come back to this. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, and I thank God for that, that was about 4,000 years or so, God sent forth his son made of a woman, the seed of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. I'm so glad, I'm so glad that for 4,000 years they were looking forward to that coming Messiah. I'm so glad for that. The seed of the woman that would be enmity between Satan and her seed. Amen. Amen. If there's any question and anybody's wondering uh, who Galatians 4 is talking about, that's Jesus of Nazareth. You know, we celebrate his birth once a year, but uh, we worship him all year long. Jump to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. The God of all creation absolutely had that in mind when he was telling Satan, the seed of the, there will be enmity between you and the seed of the woman. There is a plan of salvation for every man, woman, and child who trusts in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And God knew that in all of his wisdom before day one of creation. And God in all his wisdom knew that in Genesis chapter 3 as well as Galatians chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 1. And any time in the future from now, amen, God knows that. The only cure for sin is Jesus. It always has been and it always will be. So let's look at that verse again, Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. That's talking about Jesus. You never knew that Genesis chapter 3 uh, would have anything to do with Christmas. 
But it's the first mention of what we would celebrate as Christmas, the coming Messiah. Amen. Continuing verse 15 says, It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That is figurative speech here. God is not telling Satan that uh, 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 Eve's first seed, Cain, would put a bruise on Satan's head physically. I believe that's a silly thing to think, or that Satan would put a bruise on Cain's heel physically. I, I just don't think that is applied here. But rather, a Savior would come from the seed of man and destroy Satan for his sinful deception. Amen. Turn to Revelation chapter 20, verse 2. Revelation chapter 20, verse 2. This is like about to be the best verses of the message. I love it, man. If, if I was pointing to Dan Gunther's thoughts, we'd all be bored out of our minds because I'd be talking about banjos and fiddles. But there's power behind pointing to the Word of God. We can stand firm on it and get excited about it and shout about it. Amen. Revelation chapter 20, verse 2. So then he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent. That's Satan, by the way. Which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years. Jump to verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. A bruise to your head will put you out of commission, but a bruise to your heel is a temporary pain. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Boy, I love the word of God. I love the comfort of knowing that whatever it says is right. No matter, and if I think it's wrong, that means that I'm wrong and I need to get in line with the scriptures, Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says, For as much then as uh, the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Who's he talking about? Jesus. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Man, that, this is a direct re, uh, relation to Genesis chapter 3. And the deliverer, uh, then, and deliver them who, who through the fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. What's the seed of Abraham? Oh, it's the seed of David. It's the seed of Eve. Amen. The, the, our scripture is real clear to lay out the lineage of Christ. And, and, and that can be some really boring reading. It can be. But it can make for some really exciting study. Amen. When you start looking at things. Turn to Romans chapter 16, verse 20. If there's any question as to whose heel gets bruised, this, clear, this scripture makes it clear for us. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. Goose, that's in the New Testament. So just say no. All right. Amen. <laughs> Romans chapter 16, verse 20. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. We're in the book of Romans. So Paul's writing to the church. He specifically says under your feet. As if the church has a part in defeating Satan. Why would Paul write that? Because we do have a part. 
Look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. Revelation chapter 19, verse 8, and this is just awesome. I don't know how you can, I mean, we can now sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and think about Genesis chapter 3, amen. Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. Oh, this is good. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. What's the fine linen? The righteousness of the saints. The Bible lays that out real clear so we don't have to wonder, well, who's got the fine linen? That's the saints. Amen. So jump over to verse 11. With that in mind, look at verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. That's Jesus, by the way. And in righteousness he, he did judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And we know that's Jesus. That's the seed of Abraham. That's the seed of Eve. Look, look at verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean that is us that is us that's something to get excited about satan bruised the heel of christ on the day that jesus shed his blood on the cross of calvary but jesus one day is going to bruise the head of satan and send him to a lake of burning fire for all of eternity with him and his angels that once followed him in a rebellion out of heaven amen genesis 3 15 gives us the prophecy and promise of his savior to come through the seed of man. Genesis 3.15 gives us the prophecy of Jesus being uh, bruised on the heel through the cross of Calvary. Genesis 3.15 gives us the prophecy of Satan taking a bruise to the head through being put out of commission once and for all into a lake of fire. From Genesis all the way to Revelation with no pausing in between, salvation for mankind has always, always always been through Jesus Christ and nothing else. Not Jesus plus works, not works plus Jesus, Jesus Christ and nothing else. Adam and Eve didn't celebrate Christmas. Christmas isn't even in the Bible. As we would, the word Christmas isn't in the Bible. But they did celebrate the promise that God would one day send a Savior through the seed of man that would put an end to sin once and for all, and that's what they put their trust into which we would call our Christmas celebration. The Messiah has come. That little baby in a manger is, the, is the, 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 the cure for the curse that we find in Genesis chapter 3. The curse is still sin. The cure is still Jesus. We, 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 taught, the, we taught the kids this song. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. We would just sing that. I'm not kidding you. We'd sing that for five minutes straight and we're, and we're in the annex. Because Jesus is still the answer. He was the answer back in Genesis chapter 3. It, at the very first sin to the last sin, Jesus will be the answer. Amen.